And welcome to the Challenge Solutions Podcast. My name is Caitlin, and I'm joined by Cole and Macy. Today, we are going to be discussing the pros and cons of being blind in 2020. I think we can all agree that 2020 has been a whacked out year. Uh, If we can't agree on that, then uh, we can't be friends, and you should go find another podcast to listen to. But Ah. can we talk about murder hornets for a second, guys? Like, Cole, what would you do as a blind person if you got if you got caught in a swarm of murder hornets? Um, <laughs> I don't know. There's much that you really can do. I would just kind of curl up into a little ball, go into defense mode, and just hope I don't die. Here's my question: How do you tell the murder hornets from normal hornets? Well, I yeah. mean, what would you do if you were in a swarm of normal hornets? Like a swarms of anything that flies is just bad if you can't see it. Yeah, I don't think you really have anything you can do. I mean, like, enter fetal position inside your hoodie or something. But, I mean, if you're in a big city, you could just run into a building. Also, if you're in a big city and you have a swarm of murder hornets, there's probably going to be a lot of people running. And that would be really scary. I think we can agree that murder hornets are just not a good thing. You should avoid the murder hornets at all costs. Everyone should always avoid the murder hornets. Murder hornets are just never good for anyone. (laughs) I remember when, the, when it first came up on the news in like early this year and everybody freaked out. And then I feel like they never talked about them until like a few months ago. That is true. They did kind of vanish. <laughs> anyway, murder hornets aside, we are going to have a serious discussion about being blind in 2020 because 2020 brought a lot of bad stuff. Like not much particularly good happened in 2020, but we did have some advancements in terms of accessibility and disability advocacy and things of that nature. So we're going to kind of highlight the somewhat good things that do come with being blind in 2020 and all the virtual learning that came as a result of COVID and things like that. Cause you know, you can look at it as kind of a broad picture, bad year, a lot of crazy stuff went down and not much of it was good. But in reality, I think we do have some positive things that might've came out of this in terms of the visually impaired and, accessibility and things of that nature. So let's start off talking about COVID and virtual learning. What's been your experience with virtual learning, Macy? I know you're in your senior year of high school, so it might be a little bit different, but what's been your experience with all the COVID stuff? See, for me, it's actually been a pretty, I mean, you know, not say good with COVID, but it's really been actually kind of beneficial for my education. Now, like Caitlin said, I'm in high school and I am on campus every day. So I'm still getting my experience for the most part, you know, with everyone else. But the learning itself has actually improved a lot because teachers aren't handing out worksheets anymore. People aren't passing around papers because we do have students who are completely off campus who, you know, never see the teachers and never get physical papers. So everything is virtual and that has actually really helped me because, you know, I am very fluent in technology. So (laughs) it's actually been a pretty good experience because, you know, paperless just means that I'm probably going to be able to access it in some way. Like if someone sends me a Google doc, I can just open that in pages or something. Whereas if someone hands me a piece of paper, I 
I have nothing I can do with that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For me, like with, um, so the end of my high school uh, career, my, the end of my senior year is when, uh, in, in March of 2020 is when uh, all this really started. That was really difficult because I feel like no one knew what to do. You know, no one was really ready to go completely online, of course. It happened so suddenly. And so I was a little worried with how that started. But once people started getting into the swing of things, I actually found it almost easier to do. And I felt like I could, you know, I could be very independent uh, with online learning because you, you know, you don't really need to go anywhere. Mobility's no issue. And, um, you know, technology, they've uh, gotten a lot better with uh, making things accessible. And, um, you yeah, know, I really enjoyed it, actually. And now I'm in my freshman year of college and my uh, online courses are even easier. You know, I think now that everyone's kind of had a little bit of experience since everything has started, there's a groove has been made. People have gotten into the swing of things. And I think it's actually become better for me because I now I don't have to worry about even going all the way across campus to get to the business college. Um, now I can just wake up and just go to my desk and get into my class. And it's, um, there has been some good things. Of course, I would love to be able to interact with my peers and be able to ask questions just and immediately get answers from my teachers and class and stuff like that. But there have been some things that you can, that you can take away from it. Yeah, I had a very similar experience. I am a junior in college, a creative writing major, and all of my classes were on campus when the lockdowns first hit. So it was kind of a little bit bumpy at first when we first all picked up and went virtual in the span of basically a day. Um, one class transferred over really smoothly. Like that professor was awesome and we were using Blackboard anyway to deliver material. So it was kind of not an effortless transition, but a very smooth one. And then my other class, that professor love to walk into class and hand out papers and that mm -hmm. was rough because she started taking pictures of the papers and posting them and I had to jump through hoops to convert it so a little rough in some regards some professors weren't used to using blackboard didn't know how to organize it appropriately and mm -hmm. it was hard to navigate and keep up with where stuff was but overall it was a pretty smooth transition for me Granted, I have been doing online classes for a while, like even since my earlier high school days, I was doing online classes because I do have an autoimmune disorder and try to do online whenever I can just to prevent being out in the winter months as much. But it was a very smooth transition. And this semester, I did all remote learning, which was very good for me in the ways that Colin Macy kind of already mentioned. Everything is just there. It's on Blackboard. And I never have the scenario where someone hands me a sheet of paper in class and then I'm standing in front of the window awkwardly trying to get a picture of it with KNFB Reader just to figure out what paper I was just handed and get the worksheet in an accessible format. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think the teacher's personal technology skills can really impact whether the class is <laughs> good for us or not. I mean, if you take someone who is not used to technology, you know, an old school thing out in paper kind of person, and you tell them, okay, everything has to be online within, you know, two weeks before yeah. school starts. Or even if you have the whole summer, this person is really challenged. And I think that's what leads to, you know, posting pictures of worksheets for people to do and things like that. But I think that when teachers get more used to 
all that technology, it will ultimately be good for the blind. However, I also know that if you are a blind or visually impaired student and you don't have those technology skills or you just don't have the technology at your fingertips, yeah, that, that can make this a really hard transition. Sighted people can kind of just pick up technology and use it, but that's not necessarily the case when you're blind. You know, you have to learn gestures and keystrokes and if you don't have a good way of learning them, then you're kind of just stuck in a rut because you can't just ask your family member or teacher how to do something. You kind of have to figure it out in a whole different way. So I think that the switch to virtual learning has been a pro and a con. I'm really hoping that because of this, more blind and visually impaired students will have access to technology and they'll be trained because, you know, hopefully the whole world is going this way. So the blind and visually impaired community should hopefully be not far behind. I really hope this, you know, allows the people to be more independent, but I know that the change in general thus far has been really hard for a lot of blind students who just don't have that technology or those skills. Right. I think that's a really good point because a lot of blind students either don't have access to a wide array of technology or they haven't received adequate training on the technology that they do have. Mm -hmm. For instance, as a college student, I use a wide variety of different devices, screen readers, software on a daily basis just to get through basic everyday tasks. I started working with different technologies early on in high school to figure out what I liked and what was going to be the best fit for me and my lifestyle. And I've kind Mm. of developed a workflow of sorts between different devices and screen readers that kind of allows me to have the most efficient and quickest use of my time and energy for different tasks that might take sight of students, you know, five minutes to do. Um, So I think a lot of students, you know, they get handed, let's say a Windows laptop with JAWS, Mm -hmm. which don't get me wrong, is a fantastic device and a fantastic screen reader, but JAWS and Windows can't do it all. And ultimately they probably can't even do most of the things that a student is going to need to do in an efficient manner, especially if the student doesn't go through very intensive training with JAWS. I think you could hand a student an iPad and they could pick it up quicker and do more with it Mm -hmm. than they could that Windows laptop in terms of virtual learning, just because, you know, maybe the device isn't necessarily more capable in the grand scheme of things. I think JAWS can interface with a lot more things if you know how to use it, but learning how to use JAWS is kind of an intensive endeavor and learning to use an iPad is it. So I think it's going to really highlight what is good for students to learn and how best to teach them in a way that they can just pick it up and go with it and work on the fly to do their online school and access everything they need to access. Yeah. A few of my classes in Blackboard, you know, all the classes themselves, their pages, you know, they're set up differently. And, um, yeah, I know teachers are are working at it and they're getting better, but a few of them are were extraordinarily <laughs> confusing and uh, not intuitive, which is, I think, the mm-hmm. main thing is, you know, like you were saying, between JAWS and voiceover, I think voiceover is a lot more intuitive. It's something you can pick up and start doing while JAWS is, there's a lot that you just can't, you don't just know, you know, and mm-hmm. you have to, I mean, you have to be taught and you have to learn it. And so a few of my classes are set up in ways that are, difficult to navigate or just don't really make much sense you know right like some of my classes it actually says like zoom link or remote classroom uh for those uh 
those pages, but one of mine, I just have to go to the content link and then that's where the, you know, collaborate ultra thing is, you know, it's just, it could be better. And I know teachers are doing their best and, you know, they're also having to deal with a a whole other mess of problems um, than we are, but uh, it is getting better. I think I only have one class that's definitely a little bit trickier to get through. Most of my other ones uh, have been good and I'm glad because now that we've had this experience, I think teachers now know what works and what doesn't, at least most of them do. And so I, you know, I think there's been a big leap there. Definitely. I will say too that there's kind of a good and bad way to do virtual learning. The good way is to treat it like it's a real classroom on campus Mm -hmm. and have a regular Mm -hmm. meeting time every week and give it some structure and stay in contact with your students and like really take it seriously and treat it like it's an actual class. Don't just let it be disorganized and unstructured because it's online. And the bad way is to just kind of make it a work at your own pace thing and not hold anyone to a structure or standards and Mm -hmm. just let it be a disastrous mess of disorganization basically. Like there are some, I have one class this semester that is all online it's work at your own pace. I've never yes, heard this instructor's voice. We've never zoomed. He doesn't zoom. Nope. And no. that's not good for blind students because then we don't have a time where we can just ask questions. We got to send an email. And then yep. if the professor only checks their email once a week, then we're <laughs> out of luck on this horribly inaccessible project. And we're going to have to get an extension and then it's going to overlap things. Like there's a good and a bad way to do it. And I think a lot of professors are starting to see how they can improve the learning experience. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of people hate on online classes and there's a good reason for online classes to get hate in some circumstances. Like Mm -hmm. some of them are genuinely bad, but I also think that a lot of people are seeing that they can be just as, if not more beneficial than on-campus classes if they're done right. And I've also seen a lot of people step up and do accessibility training for Blackboard and say, here is how you can make your class good and Mm -hmm. inclusive for more people. Mm -hmm. That's what we need. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think there's kind of a whole other side to that, too, with, you know, yes, the the classes and classwork can definitely be a lot easier virtually if you have those technology skills. And in general, I think that it can... Anyway, just because you don't have the O&M challenges associated with getting from place to place. You know, I'm in a high school. My school has one hall. I don't have any problem getting from class to class. But when you look at big college campuses where you may be walking a mile to get from one place to (laughs) another, you know, that's really testing as a blind person, even more so than a sighted person, because you're thinking about so much. Mm -hmm. So I think that just, you know, Having the option, even if you are a blended student, even when this, you know, all goes away, having the option of, hey, maybe I should stay home for this class specifically so I can actually be a functional student instead of being, you know, exhausted when I walk in the door just from the orientation and mobility challenges that come with getting there. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. it's it's a good option to have. You know, I would encourage in-person classes because I think that social interaction is important but also there is kind of an opportunity cost there that I think Mm -hmm. you know O&M wise. Yeah I definitely agree with that. When I was doing my schedule this semester it was really nice to not have to take 
the location into account. Mm -hmm. Like normally it is kind of a balancing act between, okay, well, do I have enough time between these classes to go to the bathroom, park my dog, and then find the next classroom? Am I going to risk being late? Do I have an extra 15 minutes worked in there in case I get lost or get caught by a person who is meaning well but interfering with my ability to navigate? <laughs> we all yeah. know that happens. Yeah. Like you have to account for so many things. And ultimately, you end up working in a lot of extra downtime between classes mm -hmm. just to make sure you can get there and you might not need all that downtime. So you might end up spending your entire day on campus because you had to space your classes so far out to allow for O&M barriers. Yeah. Whereas this time it was like, you know, this is not a concern. I just signed up for a night class on Monday nights next semester that's from 5 to 8 p.m. And normally I would have tried to avoid that at almost any cost to avoid walking home alone in the dark. Yeah. But this time it's fine because it's on zoom and I can just do it in my own apartment. And you know, that barrier is not there. And then like Macy said, O&M is exhausting as a blind person when you're yeah. walking a great distance. I mean, you can learn the route all you want to, but ultimately you don't, it's kind of like walking into the unknown a little bit every day. You don't know when there's going to be construction on a street mm -hmm. or, mm -hmm. You don't know when somebody's going to grab you as you're stepping off the bus and then cause you to face plant. And that's, that's a whole ordeal. Like um, you just, you don't know. And it's, there's always something with O&M kind of, you can be the best traveler in the world, but there's always going to be something. And even the best travelers get exhausted and sensory overload is a thing. So. Not to mention sometimes campuses aren't the easiest to navigate as it is. Right. Uh, and going long distances through that, it can just be so taxing to mm -hmm. even just follow through with uh, some horrible uh, crossing, uh, street crossings and um, just general clutter and stuff that can get in the way that you can't really plan for, you know? Exactly. And another reason why you would need to worry about time. See, I, my freshman year, I'm in my freshman year. So I haven't had to even have a, a year of, of college where I am worrying about getting from class to class because I can do everything through remote. And so I was able to really pick the times that I wanted, um, mm -hmm. which is a, normally a luxury that you don't really get. Right. Right. But, you know, the flip side of that with COVID is that when you do have to go out, it is so much worse. I don't know about you guys, but every time I leave my house, I just think about how many things I have to touch because we don't get a choice. I mean, like if you're looking for the bathroom in Walmart, you know, you probably have to trail wall. Okay. Feel the sign. Oh, that's the wrong one. So you got to find the next door and feel that sign. And you know, Oh my gosh, you just have to touch everything. And I just cringe. I carry Germex with me. I, but you know, there's not really any getting around that. If you're blind, you can't, yeah. You know, the six feet will even, I don't know if I'm six feet away from someone or not. You know, I don't necessarily exactly. know they're there until I either hit them with my cane or, you know, maybe I'll see them depending on, I guess, the setting and the lighting and the location and everything. Mm -hmm. But it's really hard to sanitize and safe and, you know, far away from everything and limit the spread of germs when you don't really get the option of not being close to people and touching things. Go you ahead. can't really avoid, you know, even with things just like a, uh, like sighted guide, if you're in a, if you're in a, you know, really big open area and you're normally walking with friends, you know, you may have to 
sided guide with them. You know, you may not have to, um, but it's just, there's no, there's no great way uh, to handle those kind of situations. You know, it's a, uh, it's, you know, risk reward. What do you want to, uh, what do you want to do? You know, do you trust uh, the people that you are around that they're safe? Because anybody that you're around, you're also having to deal with the people that they were around. And, uh, and, and it's just a huge chain of worry, I guess, uh, about COVID. And that's yeah. just, and it's weird because it's not even like something that um, it's been, it's been a problem for so long. It's just something that's just there now. You know, it's not even something that you're sometimes consciously thinking about. This has just become part of our lives now. Yeah, my immediate thought of I need to go somewhere now is followed by the immediate weighing of pros and cons as a result of COVID. Like it's an instinctual thing now to think about how I'm going to do it in the COVID times. Whereas it kind of adds an extra layer of things because used to it's like, you know, okay, well, let's weigh the pro and cons of doing this. How much do I care about the resulting exhaustion that is going to hit me after I take this bus ride into unfamiliar territory? Mm -hmm. Now we've got covid on top of it yeah so it's just like a whole other thing that i've instinctually lumped into my route planning like you know i used to have this like process that i would go through whenever i needed to go somewhere new where i would look at bus routes and compare it to like the cost of a lift and decide how much i cared about saving some money and figure Mm -hmm. out you know google map it and see kind of walking directions followed by ira to verify that the walking directions are good there was like this process and yeah. now we have, how am I going to social distance? And, you know, where am I going to stop to put on the mask? And that kind of lumped into all of it. It's like a whole ordeal. And I will say that having a dog in COVID times kind of gives you a bit of an advantage, but also a massive con along with it. Mm-hmm. Um, having a guide dog kind of negates the need to touch everything, you know, with a cane, my hands were on so many things. I would trail the walls. I would, you know, touch the doors and I touched literally everything when I used a cane. Now that I have my guide dog, that's negated a little bit. You know, I don't really have to touch say stair railings or anything like that as much now. And I don't trail walls near as much because he'll find doors and stuff for me. Yeah. But I still have to touch the door handles and read the signs and things like that. You know, he's good, but he might not always find the right door in a long hallway full of doors. Right. So I'm still touching the signs and trailing the walls to find the signs and things like that. You're still touching everything. And then the major con that comes as a guide dog user is you're not going places as often. Like you just, you don't. And if you're not going places, your dog isn't working and your dog is one, losing valuable skills and two, going stir crazy because these dogs are, they love their job and they want to be working and they don't understand why they can't work. So. Yeah. And I will add to that. Um, I believe Cole and I both are actually still in the application process Mm -hmm. for getting a guide dog. And, you know, Cole, I think you applied what, over a year ago, right? Yeah, March of 2019. Yeah, I applied in uh, February 2020, so it hasn't been quite as bad for me to get through and get in that summer uh, because I'm a student and have a dog for my senior year, and that obviously did not happen. Guide dog schools are closing, so now we have all these dogs 
in, who were in training, who got sent to foster homes or their yeah. training was just completely put on hold because they couldn't, you know, go out into the big cities where these training schools are. And I'm sure they're going to lose a lot of dogs um, out of their schools because of this, because they, I'm sure that kind of put a uh, hindrance on their training, but also for, for us, it's like, how longer are we going to be waiting? Yeah. I know that a lot of the campuses still aren't open and a lot of the trainings are being done at home. Well, we live in Arkansas, room. you know, people yeah. aren't flying here. So that's a whole <laughs> nother way to look at it. And then people who are just now applying, who are having a whole different process with their home interviews. A lot yeah. of it's being done via phone and video. So that's also a whole uh, different change that's come to that because of COVID. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The guide dog community kind of took a huge hit because of COVID in terms of both people who were applying and current dog handlers. I know several dog handlers who are really struggling. Like there are safety concerns now because their dog has just lost so much training. They haven't been going places and now the yeah. dogs are missing curbs, missing stairs, things like that. You know, like you can't have that. You can't allow your dog to continue to do that because it is a safety risk. And there's only so much retraining and reworking you can do when you're not yeah. going places on a regular basis. Right. I think that everyone, not just the blind community, but we're all going to be feeling the effects of COVID for a long time. And I think we do have all these, you know, negative effects that are going to happen, but hopefully, hopefully the positive effects will kind of stick and outweigh, like hopefully blindness will get better access to the technology they need. And, you know, hopefully learning will improve because of this. And hopefully mm -hmm. all the other things will kind of recover. Yeah. Yeah. I think the whole world is kind of going to be feeling the negative effects of COVID for a long time. I mean, there's just no way to get away from that. We're always going to be feeling kind of the backlash for a while, but I also have seen a lot of improvements in terms of especially web accessibility. Mm -hmm. I've seen a, that come a long way and people are really stepping up their accessibility training in terms of Blackboard and Canvas and the big online learning platforms. I think a lot of major universities are stepping up and saying, okay, we've got to get some accessibility training. And something else I've seen too is that a lot of places are actually asking disabled people to do the training. Like they're asking mm -hmm. blind and visually impaired students to host a webinar and say, here is how you can help me. And here is what we actually mean. Like, you know, web accessibility standards are great. They exist for a reason, but they ultimately yeah. only go so far. That's why mm -hmm. Google Docs is technically usable, but actually terrible to use. <laughs> so it's really good to see people involving like the blind community and other disabled communities and asking them to do the training and tell people what really works and what really works, what not only works, but works well. Right. Yeah. One of the, um, one of the things going back to, you know, the, the good that's coming out of this, that will definitely actually stay for a while. Hopefully once, um, COVID is uh, somewhat dealt with and we go back to some sense of normality, teachers will still have gotten all of that experience with online learning that they now know a little bit more how to set up stuff from Blackboard. Because, you know, there's teachers that are still going to use stuff um, in Blackboard and still have a lot of interaction that you're going to need to do there. But now they actually have the experience of how to set that up. 
And I know, you know, asking uh, a teacher to make something more accessible in the past, sometimes they um, have trouble doing that. Well, now I think part of it was because they didn't know. Well, now mm-hmm. they have a lot more experience with making things accessible, with setting up their um, Blackboard pages in a uh, more intuitive manner, like I was saying earlier, that even when we're not completely online and in this kind of way of life, I think that training and that experience will still uh, be evident uh, with, with how they handle their classes. Yeah, I think those effects will definitely last. And I know that my high school and probably a lot of the um, high schools around the state, at least if not the colleges, are probably going to have virtual learning option from forward. I know that my school is planning on it. I don't think that's ever going to go away. I think this is going to change education forever. And, yeah. you know, hopefully uh, technology for the blind will advance with that. I think overall it will actually be a really good impact on education. As long as, you know, we pick up the slack as blind and visually impaired people and as teachers yeah. and we make these things accessible and, you know, we, we put our all and become more familiar with the technology that we're using. Right. I definitely agree. And something else that has come of this, and I'm sure will continue to become more prominent with this, is that with virtual learning becoming more and more accessible and not just virtual learning, but like the technological world in general, in terms of work and everything, suddenly you don't necessarily have to be the blind one in the room anymore. Yeah. Like when you when you walk into a classroom or an office or a business meeting, whatever, any scene with your peers and you've got a cane in your hand or your hands on a guide dog harness, anything. If you walk in as a blind person with a very obvious mobility aid, Mm -hmm. you are the blind one in the room. All eyes on you. (laughs) Yeah. Everyone is looking at you. Everyone's like, Oh my gosh, you know, that's the blind one. How do we interact? What do we do? I've only seen one of those in movies. Right. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. You want to feel my face? Right. So everyone kind of has that moment of panic and then suddenly you go into educate the public mode. And well, most of us, I don't think necessarily mind that. Like I'm happy Mm -hmm. to answer questions if people are genuinely curious and interested in learning how to interact with me. Yeah. I don't want to do it all day, every day. It gets It gets exhausting. It gets exhausting. (laughs) Like I do that from the moment I leave my house to the moment I return and any chance I have to not do that, I'm going to take. And something I've noticed on zoom this semester is that I don't have my guide dog in the shot. They can't see him. He's not in harness. They just see the Labrador. I'm not obviously blind unless they watch the fact that my eyes aren't focusing on anything relevant. Right. And I don't think they can necessarily see well enough to notice that through zoom unless they're really staring at me in which case that's creepy Um, (laughs) (laughs) so it's been really nice like I've been in a breakout group for my poetry class this semester and normally there would be this awkward moment of this is how I do things and then everybody's gonna watch me use my ipad to navigate my poetry textbook and be amazed that i can use an ipad right. to navigate a poetry textbook <laughs> they don't know that i'm using assistive technology they can't see the braille display in the camera shot either yeah. so i'm just a normal person i'm having a normal conversation with them about poetry 
they can't tell that anything is necessarily different. Now they yeah. may have noticed my eyes, like I said, and picked up on that, but we have never had the, Hey, by the way, I'm blind conversation. I've never yeah. had a reason to do that. And that's been really nice because it takes that barrier away. Suddenly you're just a normal human on the internet, exactly. not the blind one. And I think that's going to be true of businesses and work too. It's going to take away some barriers for employment and things like that. You know, when you're, when you're completely online and they don't, you know, cause like even in, in just class in, in general, maybe not necessarily just breakout groups, you know, people are always like, they'll check and glance at you, you know, and stuff like that. And it's just like, somebody will come up to you and be like, you know, you know that your phone's not on, right? You know, cause screen yeah. curtains on. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> and yeah, it's it, like, leave me alone. Right. Yeah. You kind of, when you're out in classes and business and like facing your peers in the public like that, you kind of have this, I, I don't know if this may just be a me thing, but I've heard it from several other blind people too. You kind of feel like you've always got to be polished and eloquent. And if you're not, then everybody right. automatically is like, oh, it's because she's blind. No, right. definitely. I feel mm -hmm. that. I think we hold Absolutely. ourselves to these high standards of perfection. Just be well that yes, I can do it, you know? Mm -hmm. And then if we, you know, run into a wall or do some extremely blindy thing or mess up, we automatically think that's the end of the world because everyone is thinking that's because they're blind. I mean, people find out say that. Yeah. You know, we do everything we might be the only blind person someone ever gets to know so everything mm -hmm. we do is setting like a standard for them and it really <laughs> is a lot of pressure a lot that of pressure yeah. you don't have to deal with from you know behind a screen right exactly i remember falling down the stairs one day and it was completely my fault i wasn't using a cane the way a cane needed to be used mm -hmm. on those stairs mm -hmm. and i skated bounced down them landed <laughs> on the bottom step on my rear and someone was walking down the hall toward me and I just immediately went into panic mode because I knew they were going to think it was because I was blind. And yeah. I guess it, you know, it kind of was, but also it was because I wasn't paying attention. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I slid in the mud in my boots that I shouldn't have been wearing in the mud anyway. So yeah. there were so many other factors in that, but you know, that person is just thinking it's because, Oh, they're blind. And you kind of cut out a lot of those situations on Zoom, online, especially yeah. if you are good with technology and have had the training and you have the technology that will allow you to be successful, like suddenly you're the tech savvy one in the room who knows how to do everything and right. yeah. no one, you're not, you're not the incompetent blind one anymore to everybody watching. Yeah. Yes. And, and going back to like that pressure <laughs> thing, it's like to a lot of sighted people who, like you said, may never know another blind person, you're giving them like a glimpse at what, you know, the, our community and you want to represent it well, you know, mm -hmm. and you don't want to do a stupid blind person thing, you yes. know, like hit a wall, which happens. And I like to just joke about it. Like I'm the human version of a bumper car. I'm built to do it. Like people, cause people always freak oh, out when, whenever you hit something. It's like, are you kidding? I hit stuff, you know, a lot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like I, I can take it probably more than most other people, but when you, are online, you never have to deal with um, mainly even just like people like questions and stuff like that that people will ask because it's online. There's a teacher talking, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, and then when the class is over, you just leave. You know, you never have to have the you know leave with the whole class or try to leave ahead of time or or whatever that may be. Right, right. 
Yeah, I would always kind of hang back to the back of the classroom and let everybody else trail out ahead of me so I wouldn't have to deal with navigating through the mm -hmm. crowd, especially when I was a cane user, I would do that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I would always have to factor that in, allow an extra three to five minutes between classes to give myself time to let the crowd disperse. Yep. And now it's like you said, you know, command Q out of there and yeah. move on with life. Yeah. Right. I think that, you know, educating the public is a good thing. You know, I think it's good for the public to see blind people living their lives and being independent, but it comes to a point where it's just emotionally taxing. I mean, you don't always want to be the blind one, but you always have to be, and you always yeah. need to be. Yeah. And if people have questions, you have to answer them with a smile on your face because, you know, otherwise you're setting a bad example for mm -hmm. all the other blind people in the world. So I think online does just at least kind of give you a break from that. Yes, yeah. it definitely does. And then too, you know, you're, you can just, you're in your element basically kind of like yeah. you never have to deal with the, okay, I'm exhausted. I just want to take a break. Where do I take a break kind of situation Yeah, like you do on campus? Like I remember having downtime between classes and being like, okay, well, where do I land for this 45 minutes? Because, you know, you've got to be somewhere yeah. out of the way, but close enough to your class that you can still get there in a decent amount of time. And that should be downtime. Like most people could just land somewhere and be innocuous. But if I walked into the union to have a seat and take a break somewhere, I had to find a way to find an empty table instead of accidentally joining a stranger. And then everybody's <laughs> watched me walk into the union using Ira to find an empty table or watch me walk down the aisle now with my dog saying, find a table. And yeah. then everybody's already seen you be the blind one. And by the time you sit down, they've witnessed that. And you can't just sit there and look like the frazzled mess you are inside because everybody's watching. <laughs> and if you do that, yep. they will come up and ask if you need help. Yeah. So, <laughs> Which they mean kind of, well, but yeah, they mean well, and they genuinely do. Like, and you can't blame them for that. And like I said, I'm all for education. Like the public needs to see you being capable, but like exactly. Macy said, ultimately it comes to a point where you can't anymore. And I think zoom You're already has, dealing with enough. <laughs> yeah. I think online learning and zoom education has kind of negated a lot of those problems for a lot of people. Yes. And speaking of college and online learning and everything, something else that I think, Cole has probably experienced most, and I'm experiencing mm -hmm. now, and Caitlin didn't get it all. When we applied for college, we are all going to the University of Arkansas. And Cole and I, they set up a specific, like, Facebook group, or I think you have a group me, right? Group me, yes, yeah. With your peers that are going to be there in college, that yeah. I don't think that was something they did before, right? Not really. No, it wasn't something that they really... If they did it, they didn't push it heavily enough for it to matter. There were ways for you to meet your peers, but it usually involved like going to meetups and events and things like that, which yeah. one, I was three hours away from campus and that was hard <laughs> for me to do without someone driving me. And two, if you go to those events, again, you're the blind one. Right. So yeah, yeah. they didn't really do anything virtual that would have allowed you to connect with anyone in any kind of socially meaningful way. Like you're not going to meet your best friend virtually before you ever go get to a college campus. Or yeah. You were I, when I was applying. 
Mm-hmm. I uh I saw there was a uh, a group me for my dorm, and it was uh, and it was just my dorm. And I mean, now it has nearly everybody in it. Uh, but before, you know, like in uh, March and April when it really started, uh, I mean, we got up to like 160 people. Now, not everybody talked, of course, um, but it was just a really awesome way to actually be able to interact with with some college peers and, you know, just talk to people. And we would have, uh, we would do Zoom calls and we would all just uh, meet and talk. But again, you're not the blind person in those types of situations. I mean, mm-hmm. if I hadn't, if I didn't bring it up at any point, no one would necessarily really know um, through texting in a group chat and being in zoom calls if my videos not on you know and um it's kind of cool just to be a college kid not the instead of a blind college kid you know right Um, they get to know you as a person before they get to know you as a blind person yes yes for sure and that is definitely advantageous in so many different ways and you're not just walking into you know a cold dark building with a bunch of strangers you at least have an idea of who you're going to be meeting and who you're going to be there you know you could you really could meet your future best friend this way before you ever get to campus and I feel like that makes it a lot more homey and makes the transition a lot easier yeah right absolutely yeah see I was matched with random roommates I missed the roommate selection window because they didn't notify me efficiently Mm -hmm. um and we didn't talk we met the day we moved into our dorm together. I tried to reach out to them via email and they were like, can we Snapchat? And I was like, I don't have that. (laughs) And then they were like, "Uh, well, okay. See you when we move in basically. And I moved in and we could do a whole, I could do a whole thing on that. I will not get into that, but it was not an ideal situation per se. And I think having that ability to connect with everybody in your dorm virtually before you get there would be good because even if your roommates are not the best people for you you can already connect with everybody there they know you as a person first and a blind person second so you've already made connections of people that you can go to if you need something and what's cool is you can also like you know in those situations you can let them know things like ahead of time like hey if i'm using my cane and i'm you know on my way to being you know leaving the dorm or whatever don't come and stop me like don't worry I got it I may look maybe for a couple of seconds like I don't know you know exactly where I'm going at that second but just give me some a few minutes and um let me figure it out and if I need help I'll ask for help you know what I mean Mm -hmm. um and it was it was good to be able to tell people that before beforehand I mean obviously there were people that were in the chat that didn't see that or that were in the zoom or that weren't in the zoom uh whenever I said it um but at least I was able to get you know a lot of people to to understand that Right. It's always good when you can just explain to people what you need ahead of time. So that way they already know how to interact with you instead of having that awkward moment of trying to explain it in the moment when you're trying to get somewhere and you don't really have time to be yourself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, we've been talking for a long time and I think we might've derailed and rambled a little bit. Um, (laughs) To wrap this up, we're going to end it on a positive note. One major pro of 2020 for the blind community is that The disabled community as a whole, not just the blind and visually impaired, but people with disabilities were mentioned in a presidential speech for the first time in history. And the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade was audio described for the first time ever. So major win for accessibility there. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And also just to throw this in there, if it hadn't been for COVID-19, Challenge Solutions wouldn't be a thing. We'd not be here. So that was... A major 
major plus I'm really happy that we get to kind of you know put our voices out there for the blind community and everything like that none of that would have happened without the Rona coming in so (laughs) that is true we have the Rona to thank for this beautiful thing we call a podcast (laughs) (laughs) with that being said I think we're gonna wrap this thing up hopefully all this was at least entertaining if not helpful and enlightening Thank you guys so much for watching. If you have something to say about the podcast, you can always send us a voice message via the Anchor app. Make sure that you are subscribed to the Challenge Solutions blog, podcast, and YouTube channel so you get all of our content delivered to your inbox. You can always leave a comment on any of our blog posts or YouTube videos or send us an email via the contact form on challengesolutions.org if you have a question or a suggestion for future content. Um, This is going to be the last podcast we do in 2020, so Happy New Year. I hope you will join us in saying both thank you and good riddance to all the things that (laughs) 2020 brought. Thank you for listening, and we hope to see you in the next episode of the Challenge Solutions Podcast. Which one of us gets to edit this beauty next time, this time? (laughs) Next time, this time? Whoever's week is not... (laughs) okay does everyone have their mail apps closed i mean it depends on where you are like if you're in the big city you could run into a oh building what if they come with you someone's trying to facetime me (laughs) okay (laughs) interview them ask them if they want to be on the air oh yep okay you need to say that spiel again uh where was I? Like if someone sends me a Google, like if someone sends me a Google Doc, I can just open that in Pages or something. Whereas if someone hands me a piece of paper, I, I have nothing I can do with that. Um, I think I need to redo all that. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, a sighted person, you know, looks at buttons on the screen and touches them and oh yeah, you know, clicks them and that. <laughs> I think that was dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was trying to roll with it. I was like, yeah, yeah, they do. You know, sighted people can kind of pick up technology and just use it, but not. You're cutting out real yeah, bad. Yeah, yeah, oh. that was uh, me. I Macy died. All right. You came back. Red, orange, yellow, purple, green, yellow, blue, purple. Blue. Yes, purple. No, no. Yep, we got you. All right, take three. <laughs> I think. Oh my god, it went right back to it. Oh. <laughs> She's like, alright, three, two, one, bloop. Okay, I think we're good now. Take four. I really do hope that because of this, more blind people will have access to... Oh man. You have to be tactile, you know? <laughs> <sighs> <clears throat> Right, yeah, I think, well, the world as a whole are going to be... F- yeah? <laughs> okay, I'm going to take a second to rearrange myself because I'm, <laughs> I'm sitting on my feet and they're going to sleep and now that I've totally botched that, I'm just going to move and make the chair squeak. Pepper <laughs> coffee. I wore shorts and this chair is making imprints into the backs of my legs. Oh, I can stretch. 
Thanks for the break, Caitlin. I appreciate it. <laughs> You're welcome. It's okay. We can do this. We've, we've done well. I'm just gonna swig the rest of this caffeination liquid now. <laughs> I mean, how much worse could it get? So much worse. And this is why I don't drink coffee. Oh dear. Do you need, do you need consolation sausage? I didn't even eat that. I ended up eating sweet potatoes out of a bowl that I found in my fridge. I ate banana split cake straight out of the Tupperware that came straight out of the refrigerator on my couch for supper last night, like the responsible nice. adult I am, so. I'm oh dear. I'm my consolatory sausages for lunch today. We have officially spiraled. Okay. Okay, we're good. Okay. Um, I don't remember. Kaylin, you want me to try to pick it up? Are you okay? Good. It's all fine. <laughs> Yes, I definitely think. All right, that? I'm ready. I'm sorry. I, I it was trying not to sneeze, and I just sniffed really loud. You know, I there's this thing called myself. Command Shift A. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't think things through sometimes. I've been okay, guys, myself in shipping sh sh coffee. Excuse me. Shipping. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh okay. man. Okay. Alright. Guys, ready? we're Got almost there. You want to wrap it up and talk about the parade and the speech? Yes. Well, I was also <laughs> trying to read my outline because I think I dripped coffee on it and <laughs> it's splotchy, man. Um. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. We're so close. We're so close. Don't mess it up now. <laughs> That. That's why I'm confused. Oh. oh. <laughs> do, you to, do you want to just restart it all? <laughs> Hopefully this was all entertaining or helpful in some way. What the heck is that noise? What was that? It went droop. <laughs> it went droop. <laughs> like somebody was like snapping their fingers against the side of a glass mug. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, it sounded like two <laughs> shot really glasses. That really hurt me. <laughs> <laughs> you okay? I snapped my fingers against the side of my nettle rung with extreme ferocity. Come on, we're right there! Anyway... <laughs> Take three. Thank you again for watching, and we will see you in the next episode. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Thank you for listening. No, 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 no. You're gonna need to start that over. Did you say episode? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening, and we hope to see you in the next podcast. Thank you for listening, and we hope to see you. <laughs> no! <laughs> literally four words away. We're on the finish line. How do I say Yeah! Woo! Wait, wait, wait. I can't stop it. Oh, that's kind um, of horrendous to edit. Voiceover died! Okay. Voiceover died, y'all. It's not communicating with me. If that recording doesn't save, I swear. If we, if we lose all of this, I'm going to be so depressed. <laughs>